This is episode 03 with Marianne C. We're exploring communicating with, healing with, and supporting the channel of love between mother and baby, both in utero and post-birth, but also supporting mothers in healing their own inner shadows and wounds in order to not pass these things down the line, pass them on generation to generation. I am in the throes of doing this work with her right now, and it's pretty mind-blowing stuff. Uncovering my own inner wounds from before I was even born and healing them in order to create healing between myself and my children. So you are going to love this. Flick back to episode 27 of my previous podcast so you can hear our first interview together. Welcome, I'm your host, Clara Bade. One Work Mama is a journey of awakening through the raw, sometimes painful, always beautiful, and definitely messy ride that is motherhood. This is our journey in mind, body, and soul towards consciousness, seeking clarity, hunting down the truth, diving into the discomfort of healing, uncovering shadows, and rising out of them, rising into a new woman. Through my personal brand of storytelling, musings, wisdom bombs, and insights, we journey into motherhood, the catalyst, if you so choose, to become more conscious, aware, woke. I'm just one mama following the path to woke, and I hope you choose to wake up with me too. Hi, Marianne. Welcome back to the podcast. I'm so excited to be chatting with you tonight. Thank you so much, Claire. It's lovely to be back. Yes. So, as I was previously explaining, we're doing this again, our conversation, diving into birth babies and beyond another time because obviously the work that we did together and the conversation that we had on my previous podcast has led to some more work for you with some incredible women and mothers and has led to some more amazing stories which we want to share tonight. But before we go into all of that, just in case we are talking to any mamas out there who haven't listened to our previous podcast interview, what I would love to do is start at the beginning with you and explain what you actually do in an intuitive reading so that we kind of have that background sorted before we dive into talking about women and mothers and babies and the healing that you have facilitated for those beautiful people. So can we start at that point, Marianne? Absolutely, Claire. And again, because some people haven't heard the previous podcast, I'll just explain that I am a reluctant intuitive. This is not (laughs) what I intended for my life at all. I saw myself as a CEO of a corporation bossing 300 people a day. You know, this was my idea of good life. I'm a reluctant intuitive. I only came into this because I had a 22-year journey through multiple chemical sensitivity and spent hours and hours and hours alone trying to understand why I could not be near anything in the modern world. And along the way, I said a prayer that somehow the sensitivity to chemicals would help somebody else because I was desperate. I I really couldn't find the will to live anymore. And within a year, I was in front of a woman who explained that I had been given a gift and I was wasting it. And when she said that, I remembered the prayer And that led her to showing me that I was very, very capable of feeling another person's body inside my own body. 
and through that capacity, I was able to uh, facilitate healing for that individual. So that's how I came into it. And today, it's uh, probably 25 years later, and I've done readings for elderly people, babies before they're born, and everything, everybody in between. Let me tell you what an intuitive reading looks like. It's easy to think it's some mystical thing that's you know hard to comprehend. It isn't at all, at least in my case, it isn't. It's literally like sitting down and having lunch with a friend. What I mean by that is if you come to the table for lunch, you'll listen to your client, your friend's words, you'll watch their body language, uh, you'll uh, feel things in your own body. The client will say, uh, the client, the friend will say, I'm so happy, but your body will go, oh God, I don't feel she is. Mm. It's literally like that. Uh, the only difference is I'm not across the table having lunch with somebody. I'm across the world, usually, and on Skype. And I use my intuition, which is my capacity to know through feeling. I don't think about my client. I know it through feeling in my own body. And I'm able, therefore, to pick up all kinds of content coming from my client. Words words that they might not even say to themselves. In other words, words that are in their unconscious. Mm. Images of trauma they've had in the past that they obviously would prefer not to remember. Sensations in the body, tightness, pain, that may be clues to why they're sick. I can be literally flooded in 30 seconds with all kinds of information coming into my body as a result of the intuitive connection. So I'm just going to stop there and ask if that's clear what I've said. Yes, it is. And it's even helping me understand even more the work that we have done, even though I have been in contact with you and worked with you so much over the last year. And for anybody listening, I first touched base with Marianne when I was pregnant with Raphael and we underwent a process of healing for him and obviously for I. And since then we have done so much work and the, the story is long and complex isn't it Marianne in terms of trying to heal so many different things that have come up sleep issues issues within the home issues within me but that's really helped me to understand all the different sensory input that you're receiving when you are tuning into whether it's myself or my child and to mm-hmm. yeah it's quite a visual picture for me right now but I guess my question then is how do you Ah, integrate or filter or get clear on what's coming through to you and actually make sense of it all so you can then say, Claire, this is what is going on. Claire, this is what I've seen. How do you take all of that massive sensory download and provide it to us as something real and informative? Again, Claire, it's like having lunch with somebody. The client, I keep saying the client, forgive me, the friend at lunch might say, I'm so upset, my boyfriend just said this and this, and then my mother did this, and, and you know, I'm just remembering something that happened five years ago, and it reminds me of now, and you literally are sitting there going, whoa, what, where do I go? Well, you, you just feel, I just feel my client, and I feel, where do you want to go? Where do you want to go? And the client may some say something very intense to me, like the client might say, I don't want to live anymore. Mm. And yet I know intuitively, don't go there right now. Don't wait. 
because I'm seeing my client's body and I'm feeling, no, if we go there now, it's going to overwhelm. It's true. It's in the tissue. I'm not pretending it's not there. But I wait and see, where do you want to go right now? And then the client will usually show me something very clearly that says, let's start here. And the reason why the intuitive has to be very, very well, there's so many reasons I'm very passionate about this. The reason why the intuitive must stay in relationship with the client is because you can do damage. Mm. If I start saying, you don't want to live and I pick up you, I can do a lot of damage to that person's um, integrity, uh, body, mind, spirit integrity, if I'm not sensitive to where we need to start. So this highlights again how intimacy is really at the core of the intuitive readings that I do with people. In other words, I stay as present as I can with my client so that I can feel which way do we go that will invite movement and then invite the client to say, yeah, let's keep going. Mm-hmm. Let's keep going. This feels, this feels safe to me. Let's keep going. So we've had that experience, haven't we, where you have gone into my body for a reading and landed on a very deep core wound but you've known very quickly and intuitively Claire is too exhausted and too sleep-deprived and too whatever to even remotely touch that, and we've left that and maybe touched something else. And I find that really supportive knowing that because uh, you've told me this many times and I find it to be very true. Sometimes simply becoming aware of the core issue or wound and not even touching it starts to facilitate healing in some way so over the last year for me I've noticed things coming up to the surface without you have even facilitating any deeper healing on something simply just because you brought my attention to it but now we are feeling more ready you and I to go down mm-hmm. the path and to, to push a little bit so I think that that's a really great explanation and really supportive for anybody that's listening right now that might get to the end of this podcast interview with you and say I really want to work with Marianne I think it's really key that we highlight that you are so sensitive and intimate and gentle and compassionate and kind I guess throughout this process because it is quite big and it can be quite big can't it absolutely and uh, I was laughing Claire when you just said we're ready to push (laughs) in relation to yourself and I immediately my whole body went no we're not we're not going to push her. And as I, and of course, being so sensitive, you know, there are good sides and bad sides. The good side is I could be taking a walk and I'll have this flash about a client. I'll go, oh, yes, that's what will help. Mm-hmm. So yesterday I was taking a walk and you flashed into my mind. You don't know this. No, and the I first don't. thing I heard was, yeah, the first thing I heard is when we have our first session, you have to begin with telling me three really good jokes. <laughs> able to push anything for you no make me laugh (laughs) and uh so yes it is an art it is not about barreling through wounds and ripping things open healing is such an art staying with the tissue see how much it wants to go see when it needs to pull back basically invite that client's body mind and whole being to feel utterly safe in the intuitive connection so that it will just be frankly like a knife a hot knife in butter mm. it'll just go melt 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 
Okay, good. So three jokes. I'm going to hold you to that when we chat next week. (laughs) That is actually quite perfect for me though, isn't it? It's like we've got to slice through Claire's anxiety and intensity. We need to make her laugh in order to actually make this work. It makes sense. So one final question for you about the explanation on intuitive reading before we move on. And I want to make this clear that I think I understand this and then some days all of a sudden I don't. What are you actually talking to when you're communicating with me in in my reading? Is it my subconscious? Is it my soul? Is it my body, energy? This is where my brain starts going, oh, wait a minute. What are we doing here? I know. And I can can make that very clear. I um, approach uh, my healing from what's called, not my healing, my work, from what's called and, and my own healing, too, from what's called a somatic point of view. The somatic point of view argues that the tissue stores it all, everything. Mm. Past life experiences, pre-birth experiences, trauma from this lifetime, unconscious content, it's all in the tissue. Now, this is not just Marianne's point of view by any means. This is supported by all the great trauma therapists in the world today and all the great pre-birth psychologists. It's all somatic-based. We can go to the tissue and we can find it all right there. So I just go right to the tight throat. I go to the tight abdomen. First, I can be, first I'll be flooded. The client will say, that's too much. I can't go on. And then I say, okay, bring me closer to the tissue. Bring me closer to the tissue. And then I'll be right in the diaphragm and I'll hear, I can't, I can't have a baby because then, and I'll be right in there feeling how the wound got stuck in the tissue, what's the defensive layer on top of the wound that the client will identify with? Oh, I really, really want a baby. But underneath, what's going on in there? And so I stay right in the tissue and invite it to unwind. Mm. And may I just say one more thing that we've highlighted, but I want to say it in just this short phrase. There are risks, as I've said, with being an intuitive because you you receive an awful lot of information, some of which the client may not know herself. Yes. So it is critically important. This is my husband's phrase. He's a somatic psychologist. I can't take credit for this phrase, but it is a brilliant phrase. He said to me about 20 years ago, he said, you know, hon, information doesn't heal a thing. And I looked at him and I said, oh, my God, Corey, you're so right. He said, information doesn't heal anything. He said, intimacy heals. And he was absolutely right. And that's that's the thrust of my whole work. When I say intimacy, I mean the capacity to be present with another. More specifically, awareness and feeling are surrendered to another. So if I, as the intuitive, say, you've got a lot of anger in your uh, throat and you're a father and you have to deal with your father issues, and blah, 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 blah. More than likely, nothing will happen with the client except they'll tighten up in fear. However, if I say, when I'm in your throat, I feel a tightness there. Can you go in there and tell me if you feel that tightness? Oh, you do too? Okay. Is it okay if I go into that tightness and see what's there? Yeah, go ahead. When I go in there, I feel a rage coming out of there. A rage at some man. Do you have any idea who that could be? Do you see how I'm inviting the client to be not only intimate with me and feel safe with me, present with me, but to be intimate with her own tissue? And if I'd say anything about what I'm not proud of, but what I'm pleased about, 
is that my clients emerge wanting to grow more. Mm. They don't get off the phone feeling like this was too much. Oh, they might feel like, wow, that was intense. But the next day I'll get an email. I feel lighter. I feel stronger. I want to keep going. That's because what Corey said is so right. Information alone doesn't do anything necessarily. But intimacy with a client and a client's becoming intimate with her own wounds and own opening is life-changing. Oh, I 100% agree. And I, you have been captivated listening to that, honestly. And I was scribbling. I want to remember intimacy heals not information for the rest of my life because for a triple Aquarian as I am up in my head all the time, it is spot on to remember that because, and we've talked about this before, you can go to 20-odd years of therapy, and I'm not knocking therapists, obviously, but you can go to 20-odd years of therapy and receive all the information and get all the information out and do all the downloading and all of that stuff but it doesn't really do much like you said unless you have that deep connection that intimacy that awareness that surrender that willingness to be open and to release and we do need someone to hold a space for that and to help us go there absolutely every trauma theorist in the world the most well-known people in the world always boil it down to one thing the client will not move out of trauma and trauma just means overwhelmed we don't even have to be more elaborate than that overwhelm of the being a client will not move out of trauma unless she or he feels safe bingo and and that safety that safety can be with the therapist that safety can be in her own tissue ideally it's both But that's what we're aiming for. And you can see why information just blah, 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 won't necessarily create any sense of safety. Mm. Wow. It's so powerful. And I've been on the receiving end of this many times with you, and I agree 100%. And I I am naturally a grower. I've been a grower since I was a child, and meaning I'm passionate about self-growth and development. But every time I have connected with you and worked with you I have a stronger drive a passion if I can use that word to continue that growth and that healing like it's almost like I've actually got to hold myself back from it I've got to hold myself back from going come on Marianne let's do this let's go let's go let's go (laughs) maybe my my somatic tissue says the opposite to me I mean what more anyone in my my world my work want it's it's like a little boy that I worked with about two months ago in the morning he was clinging to his mother like crazy he was talking baby talk he's almost 10 she's starting to get very nervous about him for a number of reasons I went in his body we did a lot of healing right in the tissue of course he's nine so he's very malleable and he woke up the next morning came and kissed her and I wrote down the exact words because I wanted to say them exactly I I think it's one of the happiest readings I've ever done in my life he said uh he said, Mommy, and he looked right at her and he said, I'm so happy being alive. Oh. I love life. Oh. I know. I mean, just, you know, to think of a nine-year-old being so scared that he was literally clinging to her clothes and saying he didn't want to grow up and he wanted to say, stay a baby. And then 24 hours later, he's saying, I love life and runs away and plays with his toys. <laughs> you know? Wow. And that, 
And that's the beauty of what intimacy can do. You know, that he didn't need 40 hours in therapy. He just needed somebody to be right there with him with some abandonment that occurred after his birth. It was unfortunate what happened, but he was left alone and some wounding really happened. And he was just holding on to mom because he was terrified in the tissue. And we were able to release that terror that quickly, which is marvelous, but not surprising in a nine-year-old. And uh, the next day, and she just wrote me recently, and she said, my relationship with him right now is absolutely amazing. So there's been no going back. Well, that is a beautiful segue to what I want to talk to you about next. That just gives me full body tingles when I think about that, because I reached out to you recently to ask you about Soleil, my eldest, and people that are listening have been following me for a while so they know that Soleil is a pocket rocket a very spirited very bold incredible child but you know she's gone through a lot this year she's had a new baby brother in her life and she's three you know it's like mini teenager years and I reached out to you as you know Marianne to get some support with Soleil and what was interesting to me but not surprising is that once you did a reading with her it became very obvious that both times we've explored Soleil or Raphael, we've come to realize that at the core of what's going on for them is me, something within me that needs to be healed and something within me that is creating some sort of tension between our relationship. So I want to go there with you for a moment and go deeper into talking about some of the readings that you do for mothers out there. Many women come to you perhaps initially to talk about their children or they are pregnant, but you soon realize that what actually needs to happen is a healing of their own wounds, perhaps a wounding that happened when they were children as well. So can we maybe share a couple of examples or talk about some of that? Because that is where I'm personally at, isn't it? That I'm at this point where we need to do some work on me in order to change the relationships and the future that I have with my children and to help heal them. So can we go down that path? Absolutely. And you know, Claire, I must tell you, it can change so quickly. Mm. This is what amazes me. Literally, we're not talking, you know, 20 therapy sessions. These things turn around in two sessions, sometimes one session. So you'll see some of the stories now. I wanted to begin with a story of a woman who contacted me after listening to our first podcast. Mm. She wanted to conceive a child but had had no luck, even though she was very diligent about acupuncture and diet and all kinds of things. She really understood what supported conception, but still there was no baby. When I went inside her, uh, the very first thing she said was, I do not want a child. She was very adamant. This is uh, this is all done intuitively. She doesn't know that I'm feeling this. And she drew me into about three places in her body that were storing that I will not have a child. So, of course, this is the art. This is the art of intuitive healing because if I had said that in such a way that overwhelmed her we would never have gotten anywhere but I asked her to go with me into the tissue and see if she could sense some of this uh, reluctance and she was able to sense it we went back to the time before she was born Uh, the mother was not a demonic mother or anything like that at all but the mother simply couldn't extend her feeling and attention to my client. So once again, presence is what feeds us presence. Somebody is right with us. They may not be able to take all the pain away, but they're right with us. And we know intimacy does heal. So this mother 
could not extend to her child. She did everything right, you know, and got the baby's room right. and Everything was right on the outside, but she couldn't be there with her child. So now my client, who's trying to get pregnant, is refusing to get pregnant because her body is remembering the experience of her pre-birth experience. It was absolutely crystal clear to both of us. So we started there. We started working with the terror of being alive, the rage about being rejected, and the sorrow about being so utterly alone. And when I say work, it's not therapy in the sense it goes on for weeks. In fact, she and I just did a little recording. She she and I both wanted to record it. It was such a wonderful journey we had. And I said, how many sessions was it? She said four. So it was four sessions, and I am in the tissue inviting it to open while she's doing some feeling on her side, a few little tears, a few little shakes. I go in more. We're working together to invite that wound to open. And after the second session, I said to her, I feel a baby around us. Do you? Mm. And she says, yes, I do too. And I said, well, this is, we better just keep going here and see if we can. She said, yes. So we did four sessions all together And I got off the phone after the fourth one, and I knew, I knew it was a matter of weeks. And I went to bed one night, and I said, uh, I'll make up a name, of course. I said, Jane's pregnant. I know it. And I got up the next morning, and she said, I'm pregnant. (laughs) That's so great. And the funny part was, she knew all this timing of the cycle and everything. She said, I never should have gotten pregnant. Mm. The egg would have been too old. It really shouldn't have happened when it did. But she said, it's because I was so ready to receive life. And the interesting and humorous part is that she told her mother she was pregnant. They went and had dinner. And her mother said, oh, that's great news. And then said, within 10 seconds, said, would you like spaghetti bolognese for dinner? (laughs) (laughs) And I was nervous. I thought, oh, my God, will my client collapse? And my client was laughing her head off. She said it was everything we did was right in front of me. She could simply, she was doing her best making dinner, but she couldn't be with me and the baby. Now, I do need to tell one challenging part. She asked for a session a few weeks later, and I said, I said, oh, you must be so happy. She said, no. She said, I can't feel anything for the baby, nothing. Now, I know not to get nervous at all about that. I know it's just a matter of really just turning the tissue the other way. I know that. And But she was very shaken. She said, I feel nothing. I'm completely numb to this child. I said, well, I wouldn't be concerned at all because we'll go in the tissue and we'll do what we've done before and we will reverse this. And we did. We just went in and we found the, I can't get close. I can't. She was remembering once again her mother's fear, her aloneness, and her body just went into a hold, a spasm. I can't get close to my child. By grace and our own work together, it completely turned around. I got an email from her. She said, I just spend time enveloped in love with the baby. She's fine. And she is, an, and as a matter of fact, I'm having a session next week prior to the birth. This is an example of what we call breaking the chain. She, her own courage, our work together is undoing what probably went on from, for generation and generation before her. Oh, just, wow. <laughs> I don't really have any words, Marianne. It's just such an incredible story. And to think... But isn't she great? 
but isn't she great, Claire? You know, she was smart enough to call me, and, and I said, oh, you must be so happy. And she said, I can't feel anything. Wasn't she smart to recognize that and to reach out for help right at that moment? Yes. Yes. And I think that's part of that conversation we had before around awareness is that once you become aware of something, the desire to heal it and to change it is really strong and you can't turn away anymore. You can't ignore it. And because you know it's possible to change it, you're willing, even though this wound is there and it's holding you back, you are willing to step forward and say, we, we need to work on this. I need help with this. And that's who I'm appealing to in this conversation today. And I know who you are as well, whoever's listening out there who feels perhaps that there is something holding them back or there is a wound there or a deep scar within them or maybe they're not even aware of it yet but they know that they would like to be more open and connected to their child, whatever their reason. I hope that they're hearing this and going, okay, there is a way to do this. There is a way for me to step forward and say I'm willing to change this. That inspires me a lot. And they don't do it alone, you know, whether it's me or someone else, you know, that that's what really allows these things to change so quickly, the power of the intimate connection with another. Mm. That's, that's, that's what does it. Now, there's another story. It's a, it's, a, it's a wonderful story of a client recognizing that she was keeping the chain going herself. It's, it's a marvelous story. It's a woman that was pregnant. Uh, she had two, three three other that's it three other boys and she was working almost full time as was her husband working almost full time and so you know life was full to say the least and she said that she wanted me to ask the baby if he or she felt I'm reading my notes was coming to a safe and loving place that's she wanted that reassurance and the baby said back no I do not want to come in here right now. And I said, why not to the baby? He said, too much. Too much is going on. Mm. So now here's an example. Once again, I'm blessed. Every single client that comes to me really wants to grow. They have such a desire to, I, I can't even put it in words, their love for their children is so enormous that they'll do anything, really. Mm. So all right, I had to tell this woman that the child is by no means feeling he's coming to a safe, loving place. He doesn't even want to come here, you know, because there's too much. And uh, here's the example of the growth. She could have said, oh, that's crazy. I love my child. No, no, she stayed right with me. And then I said, just tell me how you're feeling about what he's saying, that there's too much going on. How, how do you feel? And she started to cry. And she said, I can't cope with it all. I can't. How can I be strong for everyone, people at work, my husband, the children? How, how can I do this? And um, then she composed herself and said, I can change things. And she said, I can be a mother first and I can put the job second. And she was, she was running the show here. I was completely quiet. She was just reorganizing. Mm. And then I said to her, I just had this hunch. I just said, can you tell me what it was like? with your dad growing up. It was just intuition. I don't know anything about her childhood family. And she started to cry. And she said, I love my father so much. And I said, and he loved you. Oh, he loved me so much. And she said, but for the sake of the family's financial well-being, he would travel a lot. And he was gone much more than he was home. So she remembered herself at the window crying as he left for another trip. 
Now, this is what she said. It was brilliant. She said, and you know what? I made sure that when I married my husband, I made sure he was a husband that would have a job that would be back in the house at 6 o'clock or 6.30 every night for the kids. I made sure of that. And my husband is here every night with the children. And then she went, (gasps) she said, I'm doing what my father did. I'm doing what he did to my children. She got it. She was. She made sure the husband was home at six thirty, but she was setting up her life so that she was always on the run mm. and not able to be. She got it, and uh, so we we both agreed. The next step was for her to just sit down and look at her life, look at the hours, the commitments, do a very realistic plan and stuff. And she came back, and it was all reorganized. If she was taking full maternity leave, if she went back to work, it was only going to be for two or three days. And I went into the baby's body, and the baby just said, I'm not alone. The arms were wide open in an embrace of her, and uh, wow. that was it. The baby was born. She wrote me how easy the birth was, and she said she's so happy. The changes were exactly what she needed to make. And But there's an example of the baby telling us exactly what he needed to feel safe coming into this world and a mother making big changes in order to provide that safety. And it's a perfect example of this journey of awakening and consciousness that motherhood pushes us down. So this beautiful experience with you and this baby has forced this woman to really look at the patterns that she's carried through, that she was potentially going to keep passing on to her children and making a massive change for herself and her own well-being as well as her family. Like that's huge. That's literally reorganizing your entire presence in life. Yes, it's basically saying, I'm not going to come from my wound anymore. And the defensive pattern, see, the defense around the wound is I'll, I'll, I'll never be available. I'll just be so busy because if I'm so busy, I can't be with anyone. And if she started to be too close to the children, her own wound would come up. So she had to reorganize her life around, I want to grow. Hmm. I want to grow through the pain of what happened to me so I can be more present with my children. I love this. And it was so humorous because she was so proud, I mean, happily proud that she married a man who would always be home (laughs) at 6.30. And then she went, she literally went, I'm doing what my father did. (laughs) Gosh, it's funny what we do, isn't it? We think we're on top of something and we still manage to run circles around ourselves. And Claire, there's another, may I just tell another quick story about a baby, a pregnant woman with this issue? Okay, this is very quick. This mother also had, no, 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 this is, she had two boys, and uh, this was a late pregnancy, so there was some concerns about it, and uh, she again wanted to know how is the baby feeling, and uh, the baby, I'll read the baby's words, I don't want to be here, it's too much some of the time. Will she have the time for me? Why does she want another child? I need to know, why does she want another child? Once I know, then I'll feel safe. Wow, very clear. Mm. And then the baby said, will she have time for me? He kept repeating this. And uh, so this one was very quick. This didn't take two weeks. This took two minutes. The mother was completely silent. And I know as an intuitive that my job is to stay silent with my client, not bring in any more words. My client is trying to figure out what to do with the information. My job is to just wait and hold the space. So I waited. It was about two minutes. She took a deep breath 
and she repeated this these sentences. There will always be time for you. There will always be love for you. Not just for me, but from lots of other people. She said it with a, almost a ferocity mm. of just, okay, I know life will pull me in this direction, this direction, this direction, this direction, but when I'm with you, I am with you. And she just harnessed all of that love and just said, I'm there. It's a conditional world. Yes, somebody else might trip and need me, and I, the phone rings, but I am not scattering myself. I am right with you. And literally, literally, that child went from saying, why does she want me, blah, 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 to I want to come in, I am not scared, I know she will be with me, and I know I will be with her. Mm. Now this mother, because there was some complexity around the birth, she's an older woman, older meaning in the sense of childbearing age, mm. I just brought up something to her. I said, have you ever heard the concept of a birth doula? I said it was developed, or it was, we, we understand that a man named Marshall Klaus, a pediatrician, said this. It was prior to the internet. We can find no proof of it. But apparently he said, mothers aren't the only beings that need doulas. Babies need them too. And I just had a flash with her. I thought, I wonder if it would help the baby if I stayed in touch with the baby through the labor and just kept saying, you're going you're going to be in mom's arms soon. You're going to be in mom's arms soon. And just keep reassuring the baby that no matter what went on, mom and you are going to be connected physically in a very short period of time. Mm. So she said, wow. I would love that. Will you do that? And I said, I'd love to. So she informed me when she went to the hospital. And about every hour that I was awake, I went into the baby's body and kept reassuring. And as far as I could tell, the baby was absolutely fine. Well, the birth went very fine. But the interesting thing was... And the hospital staff highlighted this, not only the mother, she said, now remember, I've already had two children, so I know what babies are like in the first 24 hours or 36 hours. This baby did not cry at all, not one bit, for 36 hours, and seemed to be having a smile on his face. <laughs> and the hospital staff pointed it out as well. And she said to me, it's got to have been what you were doing. And I kind of thought, oh, no, maybe it was just a quiet night on the maternity ward or something. And she said, no, it wasn't a quiet night on the maternity ward. I heard other babies crying. <laughs> she said, this is because this child was so held during the, what some writers say, the very traumatic part. Some writers say all births are traumatic for the child. Others do not say that. But the point is, whether it was traumatic or not, this being was held in a loving space, invited to always be, always be oriented toward the reunion, so to speak, with his mother. And he appeared to be very, very uh, serene as a result. Wow, I wish we'd done that with my two children. <laughs> they weren't serene that first night. <laughs> Sounds incredible. Yeah, well, she kept saying, I kept saying, are you sure this isn't normal? She said, believe me, this is not normal. I said, okay, okay, then I guess it did work. <laughs> wow. No, I had screamers. That would be so impressive to have a, a, a quiet, smiley newborn. That would be definitely a miracle, a sight to behold for sure. Yeah. And she did send me the photos. <clears throat> you know, she sent me four photos, and I have to say, he did look like he was smiling. I have to admit it. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. You know what, what I was thinking of when you were telling that story? I was thinking of when I was 
exceptionally overdue and reaching 43 weeks and Mm -hmm. it made me smile listening Mm -hmm. to your story just then because you were checking in with Raphael frequently to say hey buddy what's the hold up are you okay are you stuck what's going on and it made me laugh because he was just quite content and happy and very chilled (laughs) out in there wasn't he (laughs) just doing his thing just hanging out and and also, Claire, it's a good thing to illustrate about Raphael's birth. Mm. Um, Raphael had a Raphael and you had a, what might be called a very demanding time. Mm. May I? Is that correct to say? Yes, yes, yes. You can definitely yeah. say that. It's up to you to say the details, but it was a very demanding time. And you asked me to check how he was after the birth, and this was absolutely amazing to me. But I've seen it before. Raphael felt to me as if he had been dumped in a, by a wave. We all know that feeling where the wave takes the legs out from under us and we roll mm. under it. And if we relax, I mean, I'm a great ocean person. I know when I'm dumped, just relax. In you know, two seconds, the head pops up again. <clears throat> if we don't relax, we, you know, obviously you can get very terrifying. And over and over, I saw Raphael showing me the same thing. He was in a wave going but but trauma equals overwhelm so it's very important for people to remember just because something looks like it might be traumatizing doesn't mean the being has been traumatized mm. if that being feels like it's okay it's intense intense is not trauma intense is whoa this is intense i got to keep breathing here i got to hold together here that's not trauma mm. if a being can feel that they are not traumatized and that's why I know I know with everything in me Raphael was not traumatized because he kept showing me I'm going around in a wave this is really intense but he felt like he was connected to someone who loved him yes and of course as we all know from our challenges in life if somebody's there holding our hands and saying I'm with you we can get through just about anything mm. And that's spot on. That's actually exactly how it was in the lead up to his birth. I felt like I was really holding space for him and with him. I felt like Mm -hmm. that the whole way through our very demanding labor, which was actually quite short and very intense, but I felt connected to him and I felt like the whole room, the team of people, everybody there was sending him waves and waves and waves of love. So despite what on paper was technically a traumatic birth. It didn't feel like mm-hmm. that for me and it didn't feel like that for him and it felt very beautiful despite how wild it got. Yeah. And I know that that... And, and I, I've checked it three times. That child simply was not overwhelmed. Intense, yes. Mm. Intense for everybody. But not overwhelmed because he was profoundly held in love. And I see that as a direct direct link to the work that we did while while he was in utero because you taught me the importance of connecting with him directly but you also helped me to heal the blockages that I had with grounding and belonging and do the same for him so he could feel like he could ground and he could belong so I felt that the work that we did with him in utero helped me so much emotionally mentally spiritually all of it for that journey through birth because it got really hairy and it was exactly the opposite to what I expected. And for everybody else, I had midwives saying, oh, you're the girl that gave birth really quickly last time. Yep, be careful, the baby might not slip out in the middle of the bath one day. I was a surprise to everybody. So despite all of that, because of what you taught me and the healing that we did, I felt 
I felt so connected to him and I even I could even almost hear him talking back to me when I was in the bath and saying just breathe buddy we're okay I've got you I'm here with you it's all good I could hear him talking back and saying thank you mama I'm here with you mama it's all good I'm okay we've got it I'm all right I felt it so strongly Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Which was just and, and I just worked. I just worked with another woman who, the baby got stuck, and nobody could figure out why the baby was so stuck. And the forceps were used, and she told me she was literally half off the table. They had pulled so hard oh to get this baby, out, and he wouldn't budge. She she said I was half off the table, and uh, it's it's been marvelous to work with her because this child, oh man, this child changes so fast. And we were able to see she was clinging to him desperately, desperately. And he couldn't budge because he was so scared to be out of that. <laughs> you know, that that's what he was used to. And so he's two now, and he's displayed lots of fear of doing things other children would do. He's not a confident child at all. So we, we helped her with her clutch. We figured out why she was so terrified got through that. Then on the second session, we went right to him and we worked directly in his body. I can work in the tissue using any modality I want, right? I'm, I'm in the tissue. I can say, let's do this now. So we did it. And the very next day he went on some, what is it in playground some equipment that he was always too frightened to go to. And he asked if he could go on it. And she sat there in awe and then she took him to a Steiner School playgroup to see how he went in, and she got a letter from the, the head of the school saying he has been the most delightful child, so outgoing, so hard open. We are so delighted to have him here. Now, this was literally from just being in his body a half an hour. We were able to take all of that, oh, I can't let go of her, I can't let go of her so that he could come down into his own body and feel, sure, I would like to go up that slide and come down it, like the other kids are doing. Wow, that's incredible. Yeah, I'm very happy about that because he's two years old, you know, and, and she really wants to grow. She's not running at all from it, you know, and, and the more she lets go of her fear, the more this child is just blossoming right before our eyes, literally within hours of a session. He's doing something he wouldn't have done before. So you can see the malleability of children and you can see how the mother's willingness to go to places that are not particularly pleasant or maybe not attractive or kind of a little embarrassing, but her willingness to go and held in safety can be like a domino, bang, 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 and the child just changes. I just find this so encouraging for anyone out there that's listening and perhaps has a a challenging situation with their child at the moment to know that there are other avenues like the work that you're doing. There are so many options out there. There is, you know, psychotherapy and art therapy and X, Y, Z. But for what Mm -hmm. you're providing for mothers and their children, I feel is such a a gentle but deeply effective path that doesn't require you dragging these children around to multiple sessions and therapy experiences all over the place. I just really wanted to highlight that because I think it's something that somebody out there right now is listening to this and going, wow, wow wow, how is this possible? And I just, I'm so grateful. I'm so grateful to you, Marianne, for the work that you do in the world and that you provide us with these opportunities for healing. I really am. And Claire, I have to be honest with you, this has been utterly amazing to me. I had no idea I could go into a two-year-old's body 
and hold the space for him and do a little tapping or do a little healing codes or do a little tapas acupressure. I didn't know that that a child could change that quickly, probably because it's taken me 40 years to heal. You know, I didn't know, you know, I suppose if somebody had done this for me at five, I'd be, you know, wouldn't have struggled in the way I had. I didn't know it. I just one day, the client is a friend of mine. I said, can I try something? She said, go for it, try it. And then the next day the child was changed. And I said, this makes sense. The child is very malleable. They're young. They haven't had lots and lots of wounding. They have a mother that really loves them because she's, you know, on the phone with me wanting to grow. Why not? Why not try? See what we can do in the tissue. And one quick story, because it really illustrates a mother's desire to grow. I went inside her little girl's body and the little girl started screaming. And of course, I did not say this right away. I had to take my time to figure out how to say it. But the little girl started screaming, I hate her, I hate her, I hate her. And uh, this is a uh, seven-year-old little girl. Mm. Now, on the surface, there's no reason to hate the mother. This is not a mother who's been at all abusive or anything like that whatsoever, okay? Um, But yet there is hatred in this child's body for her mother. So this situation um, presented the mother and myself with a great opportunity Uh, Both of us had to relax and not be too concerned about this child's quite dramatic screaming, I hate you, I hate you. And we did. We both relaxed. And the mother remained profoundly open. She just wanted to understand what was going on. And uh, together, we, we did this. We invited the child to explain where this hatred was coming from. And it's important to always remember with hatred, and it's in a lot of people's bodies, it's, it's, it's important to remember that hatred is termed frozen love. Mm. It's love that just freezes. So telling my client this really helped her. We just wanted to get to the love underneath the freezing. And we were able to understand why the child was coming from that place, and I was able while in the tissue of her body to invite the release of some of her fear. She was very frightened about something that was going on in their lives at that time. Nothing bad, just a big change. And she was very frightened and she was, I hate you. And we were able to invite her to release that fear. Then I'm able, when I'm in the tissue, of course I have an advantage, I'm right in the tissue. So I can use any modality that I think might help. And I choose for many healing codes, tapas acupressure technique, um, tapping. Tapping's quick and it's easy, and uh, I've had great results with it, so I just did some tapping in the tissue of the child's body. In other words, I used her words, not mine, and we finished it. And the mother was very calm and relaxed. Everything felt clear to her. We knew why the child had gotten so, so uptight, really, for lack of a better word. The next day, the mother reported the child was 85% improved. The following day, the mother reported the child was 100% improved, completely cooperative, and able to participate in family life. She did dip over the Christmas holidays, but the mother wrote me and said the dip seemed like nothing compared to before. Now back in school, the teacher says she's an absolute delight to have in the class. Those are the words. But what was really important, the mother said, even when she gets upset, she never 
goes to that place of extreme terror and aggression. She just doesn't go there anymore. So it was a wonderful example of exactly what you are trying to invite women to do mm. and, and, and acknowledging that they do do, being willing to grow for the sake of their children and for themselves. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. I mean, that's exactly where I'm at, isn't it? I just love that story and the, the change is remarkable and it's making me feel excited for the work that you and I are about to do together. Not that I'm experiencing anything to the level that that woman was with, obviously, her child, but to know that we can work in such a deep way and create such a big change for both the mother, the family, the child. Yeah, amazing. So it I know is you, wonderful. It's I know you've got another story wonderful. for us, don't you? Another well, one. This is a little. Uh, this is a, a very sweet one. She was eight months old. There are two aspects of the story, or two parts of it. The first was she was clinging quite tenaciously to her mother, and uh, when I connected to the little girl um, and the mother, because I can go in both two people's bodies, not not at the same second, but I can go to the mother, see what's going on, then I can go back to the child and watch the interplay. And the mother was trying to be perfect. The mother, yeah, I can feel tears coming up in me because I'm remembering it. The mother didn't receive all that she would have liked to receive. So what she was doing, rather than get through that wound, the heartbreak in her, she was doing what we call a compensatory mechanism. She was trying to compensate and make absolutely sure that child was just loved perfectly. Mm. <laughs> and of course, the minute we tighten, the minute, I mean, healing could be said to be one thing, open fist or closed fist. I mean, really, it's that simple. So the minute she tightened, I'm going to make this perfect for my child. Of course, the child is picking up the fear in the mother about every, how everything needed to be perfect. So we worked really with the mother. We worked with her heartbreak about what didn't happen in her own life. And again, because I'm in the tissue, I can watch. I can see, is the tissue opening? And these mothers, I don't know, Claire, they're all people you know. You have a wonderful circle of friends. I mean, they're all so willing mm. to just feel whatever's there. And, of course, it's it's quite a safe experience because I'm right in the tissue. And they can feel it. Most people can feel, I'm, I'm not alone. Someone's right with me. And she processed it. There were some tears and some stories and more tears. And then I went over to the little girl, and the little girl seemed fine to me. I couldn't feel any kind of stress in her. And the next day, the mother wrote me and said, it's over. She's just not clinging to me. And she's fine. I think the second that she's fine in the car. Oh, no, that was sick. Then she asked for help with her in the car. And I, I can often send an energy to a child or an adult. It's just something I can do. I can sit in my meditation room and send an energy, just as if you wanted to send blessing to a friend going through a surgery. I just send a little energy. And the next day, the child was fine in the car. No more screaming. But the best part best part was this because I really didn't know if I could help with this. The child refused to lie on her abdomen. It's a very happy child. This child had a wonderful, the mother had a wonderful pregnancy and a home birth. It really couldn't find any stress. But the abdomen was very, very, uh, sorry, the diaphragm was very, very tight. And the diaphragm is the third chakra. It relates to a person's sense of confidence and strength and I can handle life. And I couldn't, for the life of me, figure out why that child felt like she couldn't handle life because the support around her was wondrous, just as it is in your family, Claire, for your children. So I said, well, to the mother, I said, the only thing I can think of is I need to go back through each month of the pregnancy 
and I need to ask the little girl to show me if there was any stress that was just coming from nowhere. I, maybe the mother had a bad day and was crying. Or I didn't know. So I went through month one, two, three, four, five. I saw nothing. I said, oh, well, this is a dead end. Then I got to month six, and I went, <gasps> and I saw it. It's as clear as a bell to me. I saw an image from a previous lifetime. It was a warlike scene. It was black, and people were fighting, and it flashed across my mind for about three seconds, just enough for me to know this happened. Mm. This child did flash on something that she experienced prior to this incarnation. So I just worked with that. I worked in the tissue of her body to help her release that. I can't remember what modality I used. Anyway, it's not that important. I just did whatever I could do to assure myself that that tissue was no longer carrying that terror. And um, the next day, the mother wrote me and said, you're not going to believe it. She rolled over herself and the mother didn't coach her at all and started to, it's not crawl, I guess it's whatever that step is before crawling. She, Commando. She pushed herself. Yeah. Yes, whatever that is. She pushed herself along the rug. The mother sent me a photo of her lying on her abdomen with a huge smile on her face. Amazing. Well, I can actually tell you that that little baby girl is actually crawling now. She's 10 months and she's oh. properly crawling. Isn't yeah, that? I mean, when I saw the photo, there were tears in my eyes because, you know, the wonder of being able to help a being with, with something as esoteric as that, a past life flashback that was just moments, but enough to cause this very sensitive in utero being, because they all are quite sensitive in utero, well, most of them, to cause her to just stiffen there mm. and feel overwhelmed and to feel that it could be released was just wonderful. You know what I find incredible about this story, and I, I really resonate quite personally with this and I know you and I have explored my perfectionism which was a huge shock to me wasn't it because I'm not a per perfectionism type person on the outside but I really resonate with this story because that has come up for me and it's something that I've witnessed in how I uh, relate to my children and how they relate back to me and I just wanted to highlight mm -hmm. here how interwoven this journey is of healing the child and healing the mother and how it can't be one and the other. It's kind of a combined process, isn't it? That this mother particularly had to deal with her wounds from her childhood in order to break this patterning of clinging, as well as you obviously helping this little baby girl with her particular mm -hmm. wounding from a past life. I just think it's so beautiful to realise how our growth as mothers is because of our children and for our children. It's all into one. And Claire, you're absolutely right. I, I don't know how much I could have done if um, this mother and the mother before and all the other mothers I've worked with, I don't know how much I could have done without their willingness to grow. Mm. Yeah, it's everything, isn't it? That's the first step. Mm -hmm. So in summary, before we move on, because I know we're going to talk a little bit about the wounds of rejection, which is a big thing that we need to highlight, but just for anyone that's listening and maybe has gotten a little bit lost along the way, I wanted to summarize on your behalf, Marianne, the kind of categories of readings that you do, because sometimes it can feel a little bit, you know, you do a bit of this and do a bit of that, but actually it's quite clear that you can communicate with and work with babies before they're born, just like you did with Raphael that you can work with women who are trying to conceive as well as women who have lost children. Mm 
mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. that mother and young child reading, which is something that you and I are doing with Soleil now. Mm-hmm. So working with mm-hmm. young children and healing whatever they're going through as well as the mother in that. So I just wanted mm-hmm. to summarize that because to me there's a – anyone out there that's listening – it is different to what we spoke about in our first episode where it was very much about babies in utero. This is mm-hmm. motherhood, essentially. And Well, that's all, that's, all, thanks, that's all thanks to you, Claire, though. I have to acknowledge it. After the first podcast, I received so many inquiries from women with young children, and I received inquiries from women trying to conceive. So I, I knew in my heart that my intuitive ability would be of help, so that has just expanded the scope of what I can do and of course I I love it I I love helping a woman who's been trying to conceive for three years I love helping her work through unconscious resistance to having a child so it is thanks to you that this whole work I do is uh, as wide as it is now oh that means so much to me you know that my 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 dream would be to be able to do something like what you do, but that's not what I'm here to do. And listening to what you've just said, I realize I'm, I've always been an advocate for people in my life and a midwife of sorts, sort of helping usher people into things and through things. So hearing you say that means the world to me because I know that I've satisfied part of my sole purpose, which is to help other people step into their yes, life. Yes, but don't do but don't rule out doing what I'm doing because just yesterday a client said to me, I said to my client, you know, I want to pass this on to people. I, you know, I, I want people to do this. So one of my goals in the next three or four years is to find a small group of women that want to work intuitively with others. And uh, so please don't rule it out because I would love to love to see you doing this as well. Uh-huh. I would love to. I'm not sure if I'm nearly as, as intuitive. I've, I'm quite a heady person, as you know. <laughs> well, when you said triple Aquarian, I thought, wow, that's 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 heavy. <laughs> it is heavy. I'm, I'm, I really have to work hard to be grounded and out of my head. So I have a very I have very strong intuition when I'm pregnant, surprisingly. When I'm pregnant, I receive really intense downloads and like quite intuitive um, insights to the point where I actually feel like I have to call that person and tell that person now because if I don't, you know, I feel pushed to, when I'm pregnant, it's all on. It's like this channel opens. But afterwards, the triple Aquarian thing kicks back in and, yeah, I'm back well, in that, my that, head. That wouldn't, that wouldn't be hard to change. We just, have to, we just have to go into the tissue and find how, yeah, I can feel it. I feel tears coming up, so there's emotion there. We have, just have to find why the body, mind, and being all together uh, close close down that channel afterwards yeah and, and once that's found that can be released and then bingo the intuitive ability will just stay well it's interesting you say that and yes there are tears there because there is this strong yearning in me to work with that intuitive side of myself but mm-hmm. i know from past work where i was really opening my third eye chakra uh, I started to shut it down because I was starting to see things, especially things in past lives and, and quite traumatic things, similar to what that little baby girl saw. And there's a part of me that's completely terrified of seeing and knowing. So I close it off. I keep closing it off every time it opens. So, yeah. Well, there, there are a number of skills that, and of course, I have to be, you know, I'm in that position where I see and feel all kinds of things. Mm. And people say, aren't you upset? Aren't you tired? Never, never. So there are skills that one can learn 
that allow oneself to be quite protected, almost objective, if you know what I mean, like, oh, I'm seeing that movie, but it, it is not taking a toll on me. So that all can be learned, I assure you. Well, that's good. That's positive. But we digress. I could talk about that further, but I want to know more about what you call the wounds of rejection. So the leaving pattern and the merging pattern, <clears throat> I think this is a really important thing for us to, to get across to our listeners today. Okay, let me begin by saying this is not my material at all. This actually goes back to Wilhelm Reich, who was the psychiatrist who broke off, so to speak, from Sigmund Freud. He claimed that Freud, in his analysis of human distress and trauma, was not acknowledging the body, that it was all just about thoughts and dreams, etc. And he broke off and said, we have to work with the body. That's where trauma is stored. And he began, this is well over 100 years ago, to identify five key wounds, uh, hurts, stresses, overwhelms even, that happen to the body-mind at critical stages of development. Five, beginning in utero, working all the way up to about seven or eight. And he said these wounds shape the personality, shape the character, and shape the body. Now, that was continued, just so your readers have a sense of the history, by two well-known psychiatrists in the, in the 20th century, um, Dr. Al Lowen and Dr. John Paracos. Both are no longer alive, to my knowledge. I, I'm not sure about Dr. Paracos. Anyway, carrying it a step forward, we now have the work of many alive today who have maintained a belief in the truth, so to speak, of these five developmental wounds mm. and and how significant they are in terms of a person uh, relating to others, relating to self, etc. The first wound is said to be the child receives a certain hostility or rejection from the mother in utero. Mm. And that wound was typically, in Lowen and Reich's day, referred to as the schizoid wound. Schizoid just means split, and that word was used to describe the split of attention from the body. Okay. In other words, the body's here, but my attention is over there. A nice colloquial way of thinking about it is lights on, the body's moving, talking, everything, but no one home, okay. no one actually in the body. So this is rejection or hostility from the mother. But it's really, really important to stress this is often unconscious. Right. The mother does not wake up in the morning and say, now I'm going to be hostile to my baby in utero. Not at all. <laughs> of course not, yes. Not at all. Yeah. And this goes right back to what we talked about, about breaking the chain. Mm. Typically, if there's hostility being passed energetically from mother to child, it's because that mother during her own time in utero was on the receiving end of hostility. Wow. Mm. So, this wound, <laughs> I'm smiling because my husband has really, really been affected by this, a very, very severe trauma. And this morning he said to me, you know, hon, I'm a little discouraged, you know, so many years. And then I said to him, there's no reason to be discouraged. I said, look how far you've come. Because in all honesty, most people who've been split, who've become split, remain so most of their lives uh, because it's a big deal 
to come out of that pattern where the tissue is no longer enlivened significantly by attention. It's lights on, no one home. It's a big wound because to get through it, you have to go through terror, rage, and great, great sorrow. Mm. Great sorrow. I myself am coming out of that wound, and I remember about 10 years ago, I, maybe 15, I don't remember, I said to my husband, I said, you know, Corey, I can't feel anyone loves me. And uh, my husband, who's a very gifted somatic psychologist, looked at me and said, "Hun, that's fantastic. That's just wonderful. <laughs> I said, it is. I said, it is? Like, oh my God, am I mental? Is this crazy? No one loves me and I'm happy and I should be happy. And then he said, no, no, it's not saying no one loves you. Just look at your words. I said, okay. I said, I can't feel anyone loves me. And I said, oh, I get it. And he said, before then, you didn't even know you couldn't feel anyone loves you. He said, you're healing now. You're enough in the body to feel your great Oneness. You you got it faster than I did. I was sitting there thinking, I should be happy. No one loves me. He said, it's not true that no one loves you. And then I got it. Of course, I. If you asked me 35 years ago, did anyone love you? Oh yes, lots of people love me. I'm really. Yeah. I wouldn't have been able to. So I was able to descend into this heartbreak of aloneness. And this is what happens, of course, in the schizoid wound. The mother's energy is not there, and then the child leaves him or herself. Right. So I'm, I'm on quite a mission, I'll be honest with you. I pray almost every day that those children, and I can spot them immediately. If I'm in their body, I know exactly what to look for that tells me that the critical issue of the in utero experience, which is that of embodiment, attention and tissue coming together and staying together happily, energy flowing through beautifully, I can see the signs of that not happening. And of course, like anybody who's been through an extreme experience, you often emerge wanting to help others and prevent it from happening in others. So mm. I, I do hope that I continue to find those children and can spot this because every mother that's on the phone with me just wants the best for her child. So I'm, I, I know that I can help those children. That's the wound of embodiment. We could do two podcasts about what it looks like in daily life, etc. But time doesn't allow us that. That's the first wound. Mm. I'll give the second wound and then if you have any questions, you can answer. Okay. The second wound occurs, I'm not absolutely sure that this is correct. They say six months after birth to two and a half years after birth, but I have been in children's bodies where I have felt this wound prior to that time. And of course, there can be no clear-cut delineation because what happens after the baby's born in the six months? Of course, there could be wounding there. But as a general rule of thumb, the second wound is around the developmental issue of receiving. You're already a body. You're connected. Attention and awareness, sorry, awareness in the body are connected. Now the next job is to receive love, to be nourished. And this second wound is said to be that of abandonment. Mm. The mother doesn't reject, but she's not there. Either from illness, I have had children where the mothers had to leave, or just oftentimes the mother wasn't nourished herself, and she may be picking up the child, talking to the child and everything, but she's actually not allowing her own energy to go 
to the child. Wow, okay. So you can be, hello, darling. How are you, darling? We could, you can imagine this easy. Hello, darling. How are you, darling? But there's a wall. There's a wall. And I've, I've encountered this a lot. The mother wants to be there. Oh, my Lord, they want to be there. But there's a wall preventing them from being too exposed energetically. Because if they do, if they take that leap, they will excite the tissue. I, I mean that, excite. They will cause energy to move through their own contracted tissue. And the contents that have been stored, the cellular memory that's been stored there from their own childhood, will emerge. And in a split second, they'll be overwhelmed by their own pain. So they have to go into this, I'm here, but I'm not here stance. That makes sense. Yep. The child in this case does, in the first pattern, the schizoid pattern, the new word for it, by the way, they've, you know, the people today who are writing about it have come up. My husband's written several books about the schizoid personality. He never uses that word because those words are so medical and the word schizoid can frighten people. Mm. So the words today are much more benign. The pattern for the splitting off is referred to as the leaving pattern. Or my husband in his two books refers to it as the freezing, which is often by other writers referred to in the same way, a freezing of the body. Yeah. The body's there, there's talking and walking and everything, but the body's frozen in fear. The second pattern, the new lingo for that, is called, the old word was called oral. The child, Reich and Lowen, said the child's mouth was wide open. This is the image of it, wide open but was not receiving. Mm. The new word is called merging. In all honesty, I don't believe that's the, the fully correct word, but it, but it has its place. The oral, because she can't feel that she's safe taking in from another, staying in her body and taking in, what she does is tend to merge with another. I'll take care of you, I'll be with you and like you, and I'll be right in there with you. So somehow I get a sense of nourishment. Mm. It's called merging, and many of my clients who are oral will tell me, oh yeah, I just lose myself into someone else's world, and that, that gives me a sense of safety. The reason I said I don't feel the word is absolutely right is because that word doesn't highlight what the... Um, person does under stress, which yes. is very obvious. The person oral, or sorry, the merging person under stress will abandon other people. So it's very, very important. Most of the clients who are oral, uh, sorry, who are merging come in and they tell stories that they're very prone to complaining. I didn't get enough. I didn't get enough. I didn't get enough. I didn't get enough. But when you look at the situation, they're the ones not giving. They abandon. Oh, isn't that interesting? Just as, the, just as the leaving person under stress will reject. I just want to finish with that. We do the wound. We do the wound until we've healed it under stress. So we will recreate what was done to us when we're pushed. Yes. And so the oral has to be so careful that under stress... Yeah, she won't push someone away, and the skitsy person has to be careful under stress she doesn't reject and go whole, cold and hostile. And this is part of the growing, to recognize that under stress, when triggered, when overwhelmed, this mechanism of doing the wound will come into place. Yeah, well, I'm, I definitely, definitely 
resonate with the first, with the freezing, with the leaving, with the splitting. You know, I've often watched myself in certain situations and think, why am I going cold? Why am I switching off? Why am I disconnecting? Why am I numb? Why is my mother sitting in front of me crying and feeling great pain and I'm switching off to the point where I'm almost annoyed by it and I I, I really resonate with that one. So for anyone that's listening right now that's going, oh, my God, I'm feeling those feelings that you feel when you resonate with something, I want to highlight that you've mentioned before to me that these particular wounds that you've mentioned are best worked on in pre-birth readings, obviously if you're pregnant and wanting to support your child and yourself, or in the early years of of a baby's life. But for somebody who wants to work on this for themselves, is it any time a good time to start if they reach out to you and they want to work on something like this? Most of my work prior to the last, well, I've been doing baby readings, pre-birth readings for 25 years, but most of my work since I began working in 1993 is with adults wanting to grow. Right. Just simply that. I get a call from, I'm working with a woman in Spain right now. She does not have children. She doesn't want to conceive a child. But there is profound and extreme trauma in the tissue, and she's locked in a pattern of unconscious self-destruction, while at the same time working so hard to prove that she's okay. Now, there's an example. No child is involved at all, but I was so touched at the end of the session. I said, are you okay? She said, I'm perfectly safe. It's the first time I've been on the phone with somebody where I feel safe. And I said to her, I want to tell you. It was so happy. I have to say it. I said, this is malleable. I know it's extreme, and I know it's been unbelievable for you, but it's malleable because we have energy in the feet, we have it in the pelvis, which is one of the places of the trauma, we have it in the neck, we have it in the head, and she could feel the energy moving in all of those places. What does that say to both of us? This can heal. Mm, Beautiful. So, yes. Beautiful. So, anyone listening, if you resonate with any of that, you know who to call. So that's a beautiful segue, I guess, because I would like you to share, Marianne, your offerings, what you've got coming up. I know that you're going to support anyone listening here with a, a discount on your services as well and the, the powerful intentions group as well that you want to invite people into. Yes, thank you, Claire. Thank you for giving me this opportunity because it it helps me reach people that I might not be able to reach on my own. So thank Pleasure. you. Um, I'm, I'm writing a book about my readings for babies before birth and women trying to conceive and um, I've made a jump forward in that because it's very hard to sell a book today so I'm not going to try to sell this book I just want it available to people so I want to get it finished in the next six months and so I welcome anybody with any any issue they want to heal but particularly those that are trying to conceive have sustained a loss around uh, having a baby or are pregnant or who have a young child to contact me. My readings uh, will have a 25% discount for the next three months, and Claire will be able to, with the recording, have a, uh, a document that explains what I do very succinctly and uh, highlights this discount. Yes, I will. The second, off- the second offering I want to share because it's probably to be, to be honest, one of the most exciting things I've ever done. It's entirely free to anyone in the world. It is called Powerful Intentions. 
and it is based on the work of Lynn McTaggart, a UK investigative journalist who has written the following books, The Field, The Intention Experiment, and most recently, The Power of Eight. Lynn has worked with people, helping them harness the power of their intention to help another person. It's as simple as that. They harness the power of visualization and intention to help someone else. And she has worked with small groups of eight or more, ten, and invited people to, as a group, collectively send heartfelt intentions for a very specific outcome for one member of the group. The results have been extraordinary. Highlighting what Margaret Mead said, you know, I love Margaret Mead, she said, never doubt what the power of a, I'm paraphrasing, never doubt the power of a small group to change the world. Mm. Indeed, it is the only thing that can. And I love seeing groups of women all over the world, we're all online, come together with a shared focus of helping someone else. And there are two final things to say about it. One, Lynn's research, and she's a brilliant researcher. She doesn't do anything without collecting data, which is why her books are so compelling. They're not just an exhortation to do something. They're an exhortation combined with, last year we ran the peace experiment in the Middle East. This is what happened in the Middle East, in this area, when we did it. The number of attacks, we get the data from these results. So she brought eight people together. She did the, taught them how to be uh, powerful intenders, and it's not complex to learn it. I give it in a five-minute video to everybody in my group so far. They've all gotten it very easily. It's not complicated. And then she recorded the results, and this was the amazing results. The result, not only did the recipient change, the giver's lives changed significantly. Mm. The givers found that pain that they had for years vanished. That depression they had been dealing with all their lives mitigated. That they found the strength to go and heal something with somebody they hadn't talked to in 30 years. I listened to a recording over the other night. It was story after story of what happened to the givers in their lives. So the phrase that many of us have heard for years, it is in giving that we receive, Mm. is absolutely proven true. And these are entirely free. I will have the handout for anyone who's interested for you to give. And um, the reason I have such excitement about them is I have been running them. And um, women from Australia, Spain, Greece, and Portugal, we've all come together to help a woman in Chicago, Illinois. She is my client. Um, she's been on a fertility journey for seven years. She has had countless, countless IVFs. When I first spoke to her the first day, I could feel the sorrow, the heart, the heart. You know, how much more is this going to be denied her? Um, she was heartbroken, and I immediately knew, I knew within a split second, I said, the best thing I can give for her is women around her, loving her, 
this is the best thing I can do for her. So I spontaneously, I hadn't even thought about it, I said, would you like it if I organize some of my other clients to support you in this process of not only conceiving, but helping you open to life again, because you have been so heartbroken. And she just said, I would love that. I would love that. She's not a woman of a lot of words, just a few words. She said, I would love that. And that started the process. So we've been doing it. We come together for 20 minutes. That's all it is in silence. And we do what we know to do for her. And this woman has gone from being absolutely desperate to have a child to a place where she has said, I am so happy being alive. This, this is to me, this is unbelievable. And then she said, I have so much love to give. The world needs a lot of love. Even if I don't have my own child, I will find a way to bring my love into the world. Wow. She has never been happier. I just got an email two days ago. We, we did the intentions around a procedure. It wasn't IVF. It's called IUI. And uh, normally she said she's just anxious for 14 days, just high anxiety. Is she pregnant? Is she pregnant? She said, I'm not anxious at all. I'm happy. I'm staying in the moment. And I said, well, you know, we are all with you. We are with you, independent of the outcome. And she is just being absolutely fed. And who knows what the 16th will bring, but in a sense, the healing's been accomplished. Well, that's inspiring, and I would like to join you. <laughs> oh, wonderful, wonderful. And I want to say I've strategized, not strategized, I have organized them with mothers in mind. I know mothers of young children do not have a lot of time, mm. so I've strategized them. So it's five minutes of relaxation, then we intend Lynn suggests eight to ten minutes per person. So let's say we do nine. That's 18. Plus the five relaxation together is 23. And then we have two minutes where people can write something underneath the Facebook page about what they experienced and done. And because it's all in silence, the woman knows without a doubt at the 23-minute mark she is free to return to her children. And I knew that was critical in order for people to feel like they can comfortably participate. So it's all in silence, and yet afterwards the Facebook page invites. We have a little group, a Facebook message group, our, our women from Spain and Portugal and Greece and Australia, and we all just write. And of course everybody wrote how they were heartbroken in love for this woman, and they were so happy to do it. And by the way, a number of the women who are participating are themselves trying to become pregnant. And this was the part that so moved me, I mentioned it to them, and I had no idea if they would find it too much. Immediately, each woman who's trying to conceive said, I want to help her. I want to help her. Hmm. Isn't that amazing? It is amazing, and the world needs definitely more of that giving. So I want to be part of that too, Marianne. I'm Wonderful, wonderful. And I hope that somebody listening is going to come join me too because I think that would be incredible. Oh, that's been such a beautiful, powerful conversation with you, and I feel like we've covered so much, which is incredible for our listeners. Mm -hmm. And I'm so grateful for you because you really take us into a deep understanding of what it is that you do, and you educate us and leave us inspired on the whole 
spectrum of this experience, so the intuition and the love and the science and the connection and the importance of growth. So I'm really grateful for all of that, Marianne. I'm very much looking forward to working with you more and obviously hearing more incredible stories from you in the future after you are bombarded (laughs) with requests from other beautiful mothers after this podcast is out in the world so thank you so so very much and claire it goes without saying i'm profoundly grateful to you because it's enriched my life so much to have these young babies in my life who i i know i have photos of because after they're born they're born the mother sends them to me and to watch them grow it has rich enriched my life so so very much it's the least that i can do thank you so much marianne Mind-blowing, huh? As always, guys, it would mean so much to me if you could subscribe on iTunes, share this with a friend, even leave a comment or a review. I would love to hear back what you're thinking of One Work Mama so far and let me know what your feels are. Love and light to you. This episode is brought to you by On Mama Love, an online monthly membership that delivers easy, bite-sized morsels of meditation, mindfulness and self-love. It's accessible, no fuss, flexible spirituality, delivered direct to you each month, designed to refuel and refill you, beautiful mama, with the love, zen and stillness you so need and deserve. The doors are now open for your enrollment, so head to claireobeyed.com slash OML to jump on the special monthly price of $15 per month or $150 for the annual membership. That's a $30 discount. Start and end at any time and create the space that you need to become more woke.